everybody i'm jason i'm john welcome back to year one comics where we talk about comics in their first year hence the name no that's good i think we should reset the podcast every once in a while we yeah, forget wanted, we forget to do that i want to explain what we were doing here you know for anyone who just jumps in at number four yeah because they don't have time to go back and listen to those first three episodes <laughs> what this garbage is Let's get right to the point so we're talking about fantastic four Number four, because this is the fourth episode. Of the Fantastic Four. Of the Fantastic Four. Don't need no more. It seems like it should be some sort of anniversary. <laughs> the fourth episode. Of the Fantastic Four. I yeah. don't think so, no. Also, mm-hmm. you'll notice in the in the 60s, they didn't really do those anniversary issues. Like now, every 12 issues, every 25 issues. I'm surprised they haven't rebooted this with a new number one already. <laughs> yeah, that's what would be happening if this was published now. But I, we noticed this with the Avengers in the 60s, where they were like, issue 25, we don't care. Issue 50, not a big deal. <laughs> Wasn't until issue 100 where they were like, eh, let's do something. Maybe. Because, I mean, we have to redesign the thing. We have to make room for three digits on the cover. If we had kept reading the Avengers in the 90s when, they're do, when they do... It was like every 25. And everything had a chrome cover. And a... Yeah, well, yeah, it was in the, in the... I don't know, it was probably like 1994 where they did like three anniversary issues with silver covers. Mm-hmm. And... 300, 325, three, issue 343. Yeah. So, wait, what? Yeah, you're like, it's, wait. It's like a year anniversary. They Weren't they doing those two? Like, yes. it started in 1963. It's yep. been around for... 12 years now. So they're yeah. like, wait, what? And as you say, now everything is everything is rebooted every few years. As I've been reading the Avengers, as I said, I kept going. And I'm, I'm like in 2012. And the oh. Avengers comic has been rebooted like three times. And if you didn't read it and keep up with it at the time, when you go to try and buy it in collection form, like in trade paperbacks, you don't know which one you're getting. I'm just excited because I finished the Brian Michael Bendis written Avengers well, issues. I'd be excited for that, too. I'm so excited. I'm excited that I'm not going to go back and read them again. <laughs> Did you keep yelling at the pages? A little bit, yeah. Mm, yeah. And I had gotten, I had finished most of the Brian Michael Bendis, and then I read Avengers vs. X-Men, which, if you've never read it, it's got five writers on it, and they're all credited as writers, and then every issue, one of them scripts it. And Bendis, the issues he scripts, I'm like, Did you read the uh, the uh, issue of Avengers Disassembled, where it starts where they're all in like their dining room, talking? Oh my god, it was the most painful pages of Brian Michael Bendis I've ever read. Hey, did you see a thing? Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Cool. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Like, oh my God, get to the point. (laughs) I I like how we're going to continue the Avenging Hour by just mentioning it at the beginning of every episode of year one. But one of my biggest problems, one of my biggest problems with Bendis writing the Avengers, and you can tell as soon as he comes on board, is that with good writers, even if you can't see who's saying the line, you pretty much can usually figure out who it is by context. Yeah, with him, they're all the same. Because the characters don't have their own voice. They Hawk, all speak in Bendisese. Hawkeye, Captain America, She-Hulk, freaking Vision. They all sound like the same person. Doctor Strange. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. This should be our cold open. Then we should like play the music now. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the... Elastic. <sighs> so, Fantastic Four number four is from May of 1962. I'm already irritated because of Human Torch is on the cover, and he clearly left the team last time. Right? Well, the Torch. Teenagers. The coming of the Submariner. That just sounds messy. So... <laughs> And he's carrying the invisible girl, running away with her. Oh, wait, come back! Why is Reed chasing him? Can't he just stretch his arm? The, apparently, apparently, the torch is the only one that gets to use his powers. <laughs> Two things we should talk about before we get started. The first <laughs> thing looks like he's having a seizure. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Heart attack. First, the cover now says the world's greatest comic magazine. It said that last time. No, last issue it said the greatest comics magazine in the world. Oh, well. And apparently Stanley. Yeah, Stanley's mm-hmm. like, that's awkward. Well, and now they can fit it in a banner across the top. And the world's greatest comic magazine will be on this comic f- until at least Heroes Reborn in 1998. Yes. I don't know. I don't think they in still In fact, play. when they started doing reprints of the early comics, it was called World's Greatest Comics. Yes. That's, that was the series. Back in the days before trade paperbacks, Marvel often did reprint series. Marvel Tales for Spider-Man. Yep. Wasn't there an Avenger? Avengers yes, like Marvel 3 and 1? Marvel Triple Action. Marvel Triple Action for the Avengers. And yeah, the Fantastic Four was Marvel's greatest comics. Yes. And it just reprinted issues of the Fantastic Four. Yep. For those heady days before we could get them in book form. And you would get them and be like, wow. Oh, this is cool and not realizing that it had come out like 15 years before yeah one of my first Spi- Amazing Spider-Man comics was actually an issue of Marvel Tales mm-hmm. with the Spider-Mobile in it and Hammerhead I remember my first Fantastic Four comic was uh, World's Greatest Comics and it had Thing on the cover with this Kirby-esque hammer uh, like he was in a gladiator ring he was fighting someone named like Kurg I think he was transported to some other planet He was. it was like an early planet Hulk <laughs> it was Thing fighting some guy in, uh, like, black armor. He looked almost kind of like a, a titanium man, but he was black. I do not know that and issue. And he was holding this hammer that had, like, a cube for a head. It almost looked like a piston out of a car. I remember it vividly. It but, sounds yeah, the like... thing he fought was, like, some, his name was, like, K-K-K-K-R-R-G-U-R-G. Like, it was like stupid... It sounds very silver agey, but I, for the love of, I cannot remember what that issue might have been. The other thing we should talk about is that we have on the cover Submariner. And before we get into this, we should note that, that his Nam- head is a triangle. <laughs> and that Namor, the Submariner, is an existing character. He actually first appeared in October of 1939. He was created by Bill Everett, and he was the second superhero that Marvel had after the original Human Torch. Mm-hmm. We won't talk a lot about him because... It's almost it's- like they're going to bring that Captain America next. <laughs> That's crazy. Why would they bring him back? His origin is not, or his, well, really, his origin is not that important in this issue. We don't really care that much. The the two-sentence origin of Submariner is he's the son of a human and an Atlantean princess. So he was a, is a hybrid. Two-sentence origin. I was going to give a two-word origin. Brunette Aquaman. (laughs) Well, kind of. But what was interesting about Submariner is even back in the 30s and 40s, he was always an anti-hero. They domesticated him a little bit towards the end of World War II so that he would work better as a partner of the Human Torch or Captain America. But he's always a little more edgy than any of the other heroes in the Marvel stable. Well, he's waterlogged. He puts anyone on edge. His title at the end of World War II, pretty much all the superheroes in all the companies died out except for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Namor died out as well. He had his own series, but it it went kaput. He came back for a 10-issue run in the mid-50s when there was a brief resurgence of superheroes at Marvel, but then his title got canceled again, and now we have him back in 1962. Yay. It's exciting. And he'll get his own title again. Also, the torch, as he's chasing the Submariner into the water, says, if the Submariner reaches the water, he'll become invincible. He's already in the water. He's already in the water. He's splashing through the water. He has reached it. It's a little bit then unusual for the time period that this issue picks up where the last issue left off. The last issue left off with the, with the human torch quitting and flying away. And we pick up with the, with the Fantastic Three <laughs> wondering what to do now that Johnny is gone. In their secret skyscraper hideout. Did you notice that the uh, the copy that you have here on your comic DVD that's been scanned in is actually autographed by Jack Kirby at the bottom of that page? Yeah, I saw that. It's kind of cool. And and since you mentioned that, we should also mention that these comics still don't have any credit boxes. What they have are the signatures at the beginning of every chapter, signatures of Stan Lee and Jay Kirby. Jay Kirby. Which doesn't look like his signature if the signature at the bottom of the page is genuine. But in Well, any case, one's, one's uh, printed and one's in cursive. The, the issue begins with Reed pointing out a window and going, 
the torch is out there. Yes. And it's all your fault, Thing, you idiot. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Mr. Fantastic's characterization's a little rough here. He immediately and forcefully blames Thing for Human Torch leaving. Which, yes, the Thing and the Torch were squabbling, but, I mean, I think you have to blame the Torch. Johnny left on his own. It's not like... But it does give Reed a chance to flashback where he explains what's happened in the issues two and three. They love flashbacks, but again... Oh, yeah, that is two, that's issue two there, that first at, one. At this time, you know, most people didn't have subscriptions. I don't even know if they offered a subscription to the Fantastic Four yet. Well, I would think not. And you were just picking these up at your local drugstore if you were lucky enough to get them. And I'm sure these were selling like hotcakes. So Thing gets mad and knocks over some furniture. And then they go, you know what? Let's go look for Johnny. Let's get in the Fantastic Car and it's ridiculous proportions. I'm not sure how the Fantastic Car actually functions because it looks like four bathtubs stuck together, which we've pointed out. <laughs> I'm also not sure how the thing fits in his section. Why is he in one of the side sections that's skinnier? Why isn't he in the end? That's Johnny's section. Sue almost breaks into tears because of the but, Johnny section behind. <laughs> but there's no way he can get in that thing and sit sideways. Look how... No, there's not a lot of room. And the Fantastic Car looks horribly uncomfortable for the thing. Yeah, Kirby's proportions are off with the thing still. I don't think he has quite a grasp on how big he wants to make it. Because there's times in the earlier issues where he's much bigger and rockier, and now here he looks like he's just sucking it in so he can slide into the seat. <laughs> Look at that second panel, how like upright he is. Like, take drive, come on, just go. <laughs> ben Grimm can't breathe. It's not until they split into threes that he like relaxes and leans forward a little, like. Oh. <laughs> can't let them know how tight this is. So they all go off to search. Sue is the first one we check in on, and Ugh. again. I feel like she doesn't understand when invisibility is helpful because she decides to search invisibly. And when I say search, I mean go to a malt shop and drink a soda. Next Invi- to a person. Invisibly. And she hasn't learned yet that she's invisible, but the things that she interacts with are not invisible. Yeah, so this person just sees a soda go down as she drinks it, be that as it may. My point is, if you're searching for someone and you're visible, they might come to you with information. But if they can't see you, they can't help you. She's not looking for help. She just wants to find Johnny. Or soda. On or she just own. wants a soda. <laughs> Yes, I'll go um, look in the city. Meanwhile, Reed goes and looks in the country by hiding behind a bush and pulling people off motorcycles. You know he must have destroyed that motorcycle. Because he pulls this guy right off this motorcycle. It just went down the road and probably ran over someone. The best thing, though, is that the guy is so happy to see Mr. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I've been kidnapped by Mr. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. This is great. I've been forcefully yanked from my ride. Thanks, Mr. F. It's weird. Their searching techniques are very weird. They are. That they just, like, let's just go. We're just going to randomly go to places. Yeah. Not anywhere that he might be. But we'll ask people that we don't know who don't know him if they've seen a flying, flaming boy. I mean, maybe Reed figures, hey, these people are young. They might know Johnny, but they're not wearing, you know, a bow tie and a suit. But we so don't even... obviously not his kind of people. We don't even know where he is. Well, we... Reed might have flown off like 20 miles away and <laughs> Reed's accosting people out in the countryside. Reed's in Oakland, California, going, have you seen the, the torch? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the torch is actually at a garage where he's working on a car with a bunch of his buddies who I'm guessing aren't working on a car because they're wearing suits and hats and bow ties. Well, those two are. I guess the more the closer you get to a car, you have to dress down more because the guy behind Johnny's wearing like a t-shirt and a leather jacket. So Johnny... Maybe the other guys own the car and they're just waiting for them to finish fixing it. Come on, guys. I got places to be. I don't know who these people are. Is that Rick Jones and his uh, ham radio crew? It's a team brigade. 
They don't exist yet. Oh, that's right. The Torch also is using his flame powers to help with the car fixing and the welding and such. Sure, he's welding with his finger. And then he points out how good he is with his flame by flaming on right near some cans of gasoline. Right, and his friends are like... How can you do that? Because that could explode. And he says, I will just stand perfectly still. Yeah. He says, notice how I can control my flame by not moving. It doesn't go near the gasoline. Is that controlling your flame or is that just not moving? I can control flame too by not setting things on fire. (laughs) But the thing is the only one of the Fantastic Three that managed to go, wait, where might Johnny be? Oh, I know. He likes to fix cars. Let me go look at car fixing places. Yes. And so the thing punches through the side of the building. Why not? To confront the torch. It could just go through the door or, you know, the open garage door. And let me tell you, the thing is really mean right now because not only is he destroying private property by punching his way through the wall, he picks up a car, throws it through another wall, threatens Johnny and says, if you flame on, you'll kill all of your friends and then threatens to basically beat him to death. Right, but as he tries to, he turns back into Ben Grimm. Yeah, what convenient timing. The first time he turned back into Ben Grimm, they just come through cosmic rays, so you can go, okay, well, I guess. But now he just turns back into Ben Grimm because the plot demands it. He turns into Ben Grimm long enough for Johnny to flame on and fly away. (laughs) Two panels, and then he turns right back. Right back to the thing. Look how long his arm is in that one panel. Yeah, I bet he can touch his own ankles without bending over. (laughs) I believe this is why eventually in the 80s, John Byrne will do a plot where he says the thing could always turn back into Ben Grimm. And it was a mental block. If he just believed. You know, it was a mental block that wouldn't let him turn back. And I believe he uses pages like this as his proof of that. The fact that the thing turns back to Ben Grimm to stop himself from, Mm -hmm. I guess, killing the torch. And then as soon as that danger of him murdering a small teenager is passed, he turns back to the thing. I mean, that's as good an explanation as any other, because let's be clear, this makes no sense. And Johnny escapes to a medieval village in Europe. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's the Bowery. (laughs) Why? There's wooden carts and, like, women wearing scarves on their heads and... Everything looks horrible. (laughs) Even in the 1960s, how many streets in New York had wooden carts in them? I don't know. And the place is just littered with people. Johnny has decided he needs a place to sleep, so he's gonna go to a Flophouse? A Flophouse hotel that apparently has one room with many beds in it. It's a hostel? A youth hostel? I guess. But Johnny's reading a Submariner comic, so this is the Mm. first time, and we'll see this again and again and again uh, through the rest of of the first year, that we have seen that comic books in the Marvel Universe are about real people. Except for the people whose book we are actually reading. Like, he's not reading a Fantastic Four comic. Not yet. Give it time. Does the Fantastic Four read Fantastic Or is it like Spider-Man reading a Fantastic Four comic? No, the Fantastic Four read okay, Fantastic Four comics. Dumb. We'll be talking about that uh, in like episode, or in like issues 10 and 11. Oh, really? It happens in the first year? Oh, yeah. The, the, especially the issue where Stanley and Jack Kirby are in the comic book. Oh, I forgot that happens. So in any case, yeah. So this is the first time the Johnny Johnny Storm's hanging out on the Flophouse reading a Submariner comic. <laughs> the first time he's hanging out in the Flophouse. <laughs> no, the first time that we see them reading comics about actual characters in this universe. By amazing coincidence. Huh, shocking. Someone in the Flophouse is like, hey, that's a Submariner comic. We have a character here who's almost as strong as Submariner. It's weird. What a coincidence. And he goes over to him and tries to get him to like rip a phone book in half. And this bum is like, leave me alone. And it starts throwing people across the room. Pow, wham, bam. And when Johnny steps in, he's like, hey, hey, let's not, let's not beat the derelict to death, please. And he uses his flame power to shave him? Yes. Why? I, first, how? He's precise enough with his flames to burn the hairs off of his face without hurting him. And yet he can't stand near that drum of gasoline without moving. <laughs> 
Yeah, that does suggest a very remarkable control of his flame. But yeah, I don't understand. Like, why would... Why would your first thought so be... So this guy with a beard, that's obviously homeless and down on his luck, gets mad at these people for taunting him, and he tosses them around. And that makes Johnny automatically go, that guy must be the Submariner. So this guy's got amnesia. It's made very clear that this super strong guy in the flophouse <laughs> has amnesia. And they want to use the Hanna-Barbera method of getting him his uh, memory back by hitting him with something <laughs> in the head. And Johnny says, no, let's see what he really looks like. Because what does that have to do with your memory? So to find out what he really looks like, we have to shave him. And let's be clear, he says we're going to give him a shave, and all we see him doing is shaving him, but he's apparently also giving him a haircut and putting gel in his hair. <laughs> it's Be- all slicked back. Yeah, by the end of this three-panel shave, his hair looks like Namor's hair, and all of a sudden it's like, hokey smokes, it's the Submariner. That first panel, I thought it was a woman. <laughs> his <laughs> eyes look much different. Yeah, I mean, no, really, look, it's not a homeless man, it's the wasp. <laughs> I mean, really, he should be like, oh my gosh, look, it's Mr. Spock. Oh, it's too early for that. Mr. Mm. Spock doesn't exist yet. Chapter three, let the world beware. Let the world beware, because Mr. Fantastic is shooting up into the sky and stopping helicopters with his bare hand. And then stretching his body over to passing tra- elevated trains to see if they've seen the human torch. Hey, everybody. Meanwhile, Sue is still wandering around invisible, and this is one of those cases where it would really be helpful if she was visible, because she wanders right back, right back, right past the Human Torch and Johnny. Oh, but what they a coincidence. But she doesn't see them, and they can't see her because she's invisible. If only she would have walked two paces slower, she would have seen them. Where are Johnny and the Torch, or Johnny is the Torch, where are Johnny and Namor going? Where are Johnny and Namor going? They're going to the water. Because Johnny wants to prove it's Namor. Either that or he's going to drown a stinky hobo. Yes. Johnny's idea of making... Perfect logic. Johnny's idea of proving that it's Namor is to drop him in the ocean. If he swims, he's Namor. If he doesn't, if he drowns, he's not. He's a witch. And Johnny says... Johnny thinks to himself, if he's not the Submariner, I'll dive in and save him. You'll dive into the ocean, Johnny. Yeah. And save him. Uh-huh. Because torch flaming... And water, good match? Well, he can still swim. Can he? I don't know. I don't know because Reed usually saves him when he's falling from the sky. Yeah. I'm not sure that that really works. We know this actually is Namor. And as soon as he hits the water, he'd been wearing a suit. But as soon as he hits the water, he strips out of his clothes to a Speedo. Which makes me say, how many years has he been wearing that Speedo? (laughs) That has an S on the belt buckle. Did he never notice that to to help jog his memory? I thought my name was Steve. Is is he like Tobias Funke? Is he a never nude? That he would just like, oh, well, of course I wear And like, did he ever take a shower in however many years he was gone? That he like, the shower, the water would hit him and be like, oh. I'm the Samaritan. Water. Yeah, that's the other thing. If water regains his memory, shower, bath, has he never been caught in the rain in 20 years? Spilled a cup of coffee on him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it seems hard to believe that this is the first time he's been wet. In any case, he goes swimming away, memory returned, and goes to Atlantis, which has been destroyed and apparently is actually still glowing. It's so radioactive. It uh, wasn't destroyed enough. Like, if that got hit by an atomic bomb, wouldn't it be less intact? Yeah, there's still a lot of it there. And he says his people could not be harmed by radiation. I did not know that. I did not know that either, that apparently Atlanteans are immune to radiation. So why aren't they still there? Yeah, right? If you if the radiation doesn't bother you, rebuild. I mean, your buildings are still half-built anyway. Sure. Why would you go away? But Namor's upset. Human atomic bomb tests have destroyed his ancestral city. Humans must pay. And according to that one panel, they've taken his nose as well. <laughs> 
Maybe they're not as immune to radiation as he thinks. What's going on there? His nose fell off. He comes back to New York City where Johnny is waiting for him and he says, Oh, you guys and your tests. (laughs) No bueno. By the way, I want all my beard hair back. I don't know what you did with it. Scoop it up in a baggie. I want it. You owe me a beard, buddy. He tells Johnny, I am going to take over the Earth, or I'm going to destroy the Earth, or I'm going to throw a temper tantrum or something. Luckily, when Johnny left the Fantastic when he quit, he took a flare gun with him. Sure, because, I mean, yeah. You never know when you might need it. I like how they say that as they behold the most dramatic, most exciting secret symbol of all. Um... (laughs) in a secret i've shot a giant four into the sky with a flare gun that's a secret symbol no one will ever guess what that means (laughs) (laughs) and besides the fact that we've had people in this issue see the four in the sky and be like hey johnny look it's it's your it's your it's the it's the rest of your team calling you I mean, this happened in the, was it the first panel of the very first issue? Hey, yeah. there's a giant four in the sky. I wonder what that means. Yeah. Well, in that issue, it was a giant, okay. a fantastic <laughs> well, it four. morphed into a four. That morphed into a four. So if you wanted to be secret, you really shouldn't have spelled the words out. Yeah. Four. Hmm. In any case, the Fantastic Three see this and jump into the Fantastic Car and go fly into the wharf where they find Johnny. And the thing's like, hey, you're a jerk. And the torch is like, no, you're a jerk. And Reed's like, shut up. I hate you both. <laughs> You're both jerks. And, and then Sue goes, hey, I'm still here. And everyone's like, shut up. <laughs> Woman, we didn't tell you you could talk. <laughs> Johnny tells them about the Submariner and that he's really upset and that they should do something about this. Well, the Submariner, meanwhile, has the Submariner has swum down to the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean. To wake up that whale from the Pinocchio movie. <laughs> Sid, well, it, it's, it's the whale from the Pinocchio movie if that whale had vestigial hands. Oh, right. Because his name is Giganto. <laughs> And he's got <laughs> arms and legs. Oh. So it's a whale with arms and legs. He's like the droopy dog of undersea creatures. Look at him. Okay. <laughs> and the Samaritan can control him because he has a big shell that he can blow through. The coming of the Samariner. The whale heads for New York City. And the governor says, we're going to evacuate New York. Sure. How would you evacuate New York City? Everybody run. You think that's it? And they apparently do evacuate New York. Sure, in seconds. And then the army comes in and starts shooting shells at the giant whale creature. And, and Reed points in the sky. Reed's going to fight it by flying around it in the Fantasticar. And hugging it to death. And putting a chemical smoke screen around it. That'll do it. The torch tries to get in the act, but the whale shoots water through its blowhole mm-hmm. and puts him down. Thankfully, Reed saves him. Of course. And then the Submariner, safely out to sea, says, This thing's not moving fast enough. I've got to get him to go ashore. I'll blow the horn. He'll follow the sound of the horn anywhere. Then shouldn't you be on shore, Namor? Because isn't this going to make him go back out into the he ocean? says that while he's up to his neck in water. I don't think Namor plans very well. Does that horn come back later? I don't remember I feel like again. I feel like Doctor Doom blew a horn like that in one of those supervillain team-up things well, maybe. with Namor. That we read in the during Avengers. the Avenging Hour. I don't remember, but I'm not going to say you're not right. Mm, okay. And in any case, even though it doesn't seem like Namor's plan should work, it seems to, because Gigantor starts, Giganto starts crushing houses in New York City. Houses? Taking out whole city blocks. But the thing has a plan. Yes. He goes to the army and has them strap an atomic bomb to his back. Because they have those just laying around. And they tie it on with, I don't know, like a banner? I think it's like a Happy Retirement Bob banner that they pulled down from a party and wrapped around him. And the thing... I saw it with the thing's underwear just stretched. (laughs) 
<laughs> the thing runs into Giganto's mouth because he's Giganto is just sitting there on land with his mouth open like he's an amusement park attraction. He's out of breath. He's got a <sighs> smashing buildings is hard. Oh wait, sorry, we almost <laughs> missed the Mister Fantastic pinup. That was very confusing when you cut it. When did that happen? <laughs> the thing goes running through Giganto's stomach, fights some odd sea creatures that Giganto had swallowed at some point in time before that. Things that don't actually exist. And then let's. I the think bo- the thing is still hypnotized. <laughs> <laughs> That's the miracle man's a Giganto's stomach. So the thing beats these things up, leaves the bomb, sets the bomb, runs out. The bomb explodes just as the thing gets out of Giganto. But apparently an atomic bomb exploded in this creature, so it's dead. Yes, even though the creature itself didn't blow up. No, the creature still seems intact. I guess its insides are dead. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> dead on the inside. Uh, the thing is, has the wind knocked out of him, but otherwise he's fine. And I'm sure there's probably not a problem with the, with the radiation. Well, it's contained inside the creature, unless he burps or something. Well, he's dead. Farts. I'm sure that I'm sure the creature is. I'm sure the creature's airtight, as most creatures are. I mean, if you get him away quickly before he starts to bloat. You know? Yeah. How are you going to do that? Because he's ginormous. Oh, you'll see. The thing is, is winded. The torch and, and Reed have him by the arms. And Reed says, quiet, you two. Who's that? Looking directly at Namor. Who's that? Well, it's Namor. He doesn't know that. He's on the cover. <laughs> Reed hasn't read the comic yet. Hasn't he? <laughs> Namor's there. He's got the horn. He's not worried about Giganto being dead. He's still going to get revenge revenge so namor's standing there and sue is invisible and takes his horn away from him a decent use of invisibility yeah sure yeah better than drinking sodas i true but you know she's still invisible and running with the horn so he knows where she is yes she should have put it under her shirt (laughs) (laughs) and he tackles her but then he falls in love with her yeah she turns visible and it's love at first grab yes within two panels Love what? at first grope. And then they have a moment. And then she's still... Is she holding on to him or is he holding on to her arm? They're holding on to it's each like other. It's like a thing. I would be a little upset if I was Reed. Be like, uh, that's my fiance. Why is she so easily hanging out with this guy? Yeah, Namor tells her that if she'll be his wife, he'll show mercy to the human race. And she's like, that's cool. She's like, <laughs> look, can I think about it? Fair enough. Can I have an hour or so? But then the rest of the Fantastic Four arrive and he vows revenge. And she says, no, you can't. You mustn't. And then he flips Reed and Johnny like a table. I, it's so true. It's weird. Because for some reason, Reed and Johnny have decided to attack him without using their powers. Yeah, yeah. They're just angry. That's my fiance and my sister. How this problem gets solved, since they're obviously not strong enough to actually fight anymore, is that Johnny decides to fly up in the sky, flame on, and spin really fast to create a fire NATO? Or he superheats the air? I'm not sure. But apparently it's powerful enough that it rips the horn away from Namor, who wasn't holding the horn to begin with, (laughs) and lifts Namor and Giganto into the sky and hurls them back into the ocean. Doesn't seem to... Where the dead fish falls on Namor and traps him forever. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like it picks up anything else in the city. Nope. Should it should take so much trash and cars and, and all the smashed city blocks? And, yeah, yeah, the uh, the the wooden carts, everything <laughs> in the city should. Well, yeah, that's true. But nothing does. Nope. Just Namor and Giganto in the horn. Namor separated from the horn. He'll never find it again. Even though it's laying right there, uh, like two feet away from him. He's vowing next vengeance. to the cosmic cube. Uh, yes, he says, "I'll be back." And then everyone goes, "Cool. It's good that that guy got away because then we can fight him again later." See you next month, kids. <laughs> Wink. And apparently Johnny's rejoined the team, even though he never actually says it. So the ending of this is the thing kills a fish, 
Namor yells at them. Johnny makes a fire NATO, and then they let Namor walk away. The end. I think it was a mammal, but fair enough. How can you tell? We have a letters page again, the Fantastic Four fan page again, and the letters basically are all like, "Your your comic is great. Why isn't it monthly? Do we not? Is it not? Is it by monthly? No, it's still by monthly. I didn't know. Well, who's the unsigned one there? Is it another like, "Hey everybody, we have more comics"? Oh. No, it's just my favorite character is the Human Torch. Why don't you have a whole book just about him? Uh, we used to. Well, they will, and they will very soon. Uh, he gets a really, real. he gets basically the Strange Tales book becomes a Human Torch book, a split book for yes. years. Uh, it's one of the oddest things. It's split with uh, Nick Fury, right? Originally Doctor Strange. Originally Doctor And then they kick out the Human Torch and it's Strange and Fury. Is that how it was? Mm-hmm. It was originally Doctor Strange, wasn't it? Doctor Strange is no, not yet. I think the Human Torch gets it before, I don't remember. I don't know who goes in first, if it's the Torch or Strange. I have the whole run of the Doctor Strange ones by himself. I thought he... Well, maybe he... Nah, I'm confused. Yeah. It was a Strange Torch book, and then it becomes a Strange Fury book. And then it becomes 1968, and they both get their own titles. Oh, and then it gets taken over. Then there's a Brother Voodoo run in Strange Tales, and uh, Gollum. Gollum? Yes. From Lord of the Rings? No. Gollum, like the Jewish creature thing. Like, it's almost like Frankenstein's monster. Like It, the Living Colossus? Yeah. A go- it's it's called, like, Gollum. Gollum. The thing that walks Gollum. or something. It's, it only has, like, three issues. Bruce Fogel writes a letter wanting to know how Sue, in issue number two, made the diamond invisible. We've already talked about that. We don't know. But their solution is to make a contest out of it. They want everyone to write in with their best explanation, and whoever has the best one, they'll send them $5. Uh, you have a horrible colorist? <laughs> That's my solution. Five... Five dollars. That just amuses me so much. That's a lot of money back in 1962. Sure. I, I think that I, was probably worth like six twenty. I think I looked into it, and right now in our in today's dollars, I'd be like, if they're like, we'll send you forty bucks if you can if you can come up with a good explanation. Forty bucks. Yeah, it's a little weird. And Jim Mooney writes in. We know Jim Mooney. He will eventually become an artist. Oh, I didn't see that one. He wants a biography of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Mm, just wait. There'll be like 30 of them. Yeah. Give it time. All I right. Man, that would be a boring biography at this point. Yeah, right. They've well, really... I mean, this, they, by the 60s, they're both in their 40s. They haven't really done anything, though. Good Jack Kirby created Captain America and Fighting American. But like Stan Lee hasn't become Stan Lee yet. It's true. Just talk about the, all the issues of Kid Colt Outlaw he wrote. <laughs> So normally I do where, to, where will they go from here, and I talk about the characters we won't see again, but we'll be seeing Namor here very soon. He uh, yeah, shows like up twice issues? more before the end of the first year. We'll see him in two issues. So what do you think about, about closing thoughts in this book? What do you think about it? I like that they brought back Namor. It seemed kind of abrupt. Like there could have been a better way to bring him into the book, but he's an interesting character. I, I feel like we're seeing the book begin to finally gel into something cohesive, like the char- the personalities of the of our four characters are beginning to settle into what they kind of will be going on. We're getting a group dynamic going. I don't know. I feel like but, we still don't have a read on read. <laughs> well, that's probably true. He has no personality at all. I think he's always the hardest character for most people to write. Don't you think? He's kind of just like, I'm the leader of the group because I'm a scientist. I don't know. And Sue never talks. Yeah, I say we're getting a group dynamic, and I think we are. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's not necessarily a good dynamic. (laughs) And Reed and Sue, I don't think, really get their day for... I mean, Sue doesn't get her day till John Byrne. 
When you, Reed and Sue don't even interact with each other. They're supposedly yeah, they really dating. Well, who knows now that she's got Namor around. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the in- most interesting thing about bringing Namor in is that it causes some sort of friction. Technically, it's a love triangle. It gets though. more complicated quickly. Would you keep reading after this issue? Uh, considering I haven't been reading for two issues now, I might come back with this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I would go from here. I think this would be enough to make me want to read another another comic. Especially in that day and age, if I had... You know, if I was in my 20s or something and I knew Namor from before. I was just going to say, yeah, especially if you had a history with Namor. You'd be like, oh my gosh, how'd they bring him into this group? And I'd want to know. I'd be like, well, if they brought Namor back, are we going to see more characters from the Golden Age? I, I think I would want to say, hey, they, they kind of brought the Human Torch back. Now they brought Namor back. Are we going to get more characters from the Golden Age? When's Captain America coming yeah, back? Yeah, pretty much. They won't be for another year. So yeah, I think I'd go. And not in this title. Mm. I think I'd keep reading as well. Yeah, okay. All right. That's Fantastic Four. Number, Number four. four. Yay. We're all done now. We are a oh. third of the way through these comics, uh, Jason. I know you're excited. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, uh, yearonecomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at yearonecomics. And you can find me walking down the street. <laughs> It's true. Do it all the time. He's easy to he's easy to spot. I'll shoot a flare up in the sky. <laughs> he's the grumpy one muttering to himself. Fantastic four. All right. Thanks we'll for listening. Back. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.